invite you, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, to be turning to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 40. Again, the scripture is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 40. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were were tortured not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us they would not be made perfect. Not many of us were alive when this song was written. For those who have read the history would understand the time frame in which it was written in 1936. What our country was going through and the difficulties that were faced. And to be able to gather that concept of there's something better that is more eternal than just the things of this life, and that the idea of one day being able to live in glory by and by. Same thought being brought out in the reading this morning out of Hebrews chapter 11. There were those who believed that there was something far greater than this than just this physical life. And that they were willing to go through the difficulties as they appeared here, understanding the short term that they would be in comparison to what God had in store for what lied ahead. So the challenge is, again, for us to maintain a faith that transcends the world in which we live that strives forward to a world that is better than what we may be presently enduring along this way. And as we read the accounts for us in the scriptures, we're reminded time and time again of the fact that God sees things differently 
than we do. And God has always been able to use man in the accomplishing of his will because man's love or God's love for man and the desire for man to one day dwell with him eternally and has dealt with our imperfections but always expecting us to have a trust and a faith in him. As the people rebelled against God in one way and desiring not to be led by the prophets any longer or the judges, were seeking to be more like the kings and the kingdoms around them and wanting a king. And in the selection of Saul as a king, one again you can begin to look initially at his humbleness regardless of his physical statue. And we're reminded in 1 Samuel 10, verses 22 and 23, that when they were looking for Saul to anoint him as king, he was hiding with the baggage or the luggage, even though he was head and shoulders above all of the rest of the people. Quite a responsibility of being selected by God to lead his people. It's always a tremendous responsibility as the application comes on down for us to be God's people with an obligation and a responsibility to be servants of his. We're reminded over in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel as Samuel is going to anoint the new king and go into the house of Jesse. Again, the difference in how man perceives things and, and how God perceives things. As Samuel goes to the house of Jesse with his sons, with the purpose of anointing one of Jesse's sons to be the new king, Samuel looks on the outward appearance. And then is reminded by God that that's not how God views the qualities that he's looking for. That he's looking for the heart. And it's interesting again that with the command to go to the house of Jesse and to anoint one of the kings, one of his sons as kings, that the one that would be chosen was not there in the midst of that initial confrontation or meeting between Samuel and Jesse. David would be out tending to the sheep and would have to be called in to be the one that God would choose to be a new king. God sees what we cannot see. And God chooses to bless in ways that we may not see. A little bit later, in 1 Samuel 30, we have David engaged in a battle, and some of the soldiers had become very wearied and were not able to go on. 
And they were able to remain with the baggage or the luggage as the rest of the soldiers went on to engage the battle and to win the victory. And it's always interesting how man perceives things and how God perceives things. When they come back, those who fought the battle did not want to share the spoils with those who did not go with them. And would have to be reminded that they shared alike. Those who fought and those who took care of other matters, they, they shared alike. We sometimes draw wrong conclusions as we fight the battle for God. And not always perceive how God sees each one of us as individuals and the tasks that God has given to each one of us as individuals. God's measure of a Christian is often different than that applied by many people today. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians in the second letter in the 10th chapter, verses 12 and 13, talks about those who would compare themselves with themselves. Well, look at what I have done in comparison to what you have done. I've done more than you have done. And have to be reminded, wrong perspective. Each one of us who has chosen to leave a world of darkness, to believe a good news given by God through Jesus Christ, and obedience to that good news to become a child of the living God, to understand that there is a task that God has given to each one individually, as well to all of us collectively. And we all share in the same end result of that eternal home with God. And there's not to be that comparing ourselves with ourselves, but trusting that in each service that one renders to God, God takes care of that need. We have a tendency at times that we're not careful to consider or to measure faithfulness of Christians by the outward signs that we see. You're here every time the doors are open. You're engaged in a lot of work that the congregation is doing, therefore you are a faithful child of God. And sometimes we don't realize the good that others do that we may not even see along the way. The problem with our outward measurement is that that's what it is. The Lord looks at the heart. The Lord judges by the heart and the reactions that are made there. People can do a lot of things externally. The scriptures are full of that. And the heart not be where it needs to be. And to be reminded that that is not what God is looking for. We can look at the externals. What do we see? What's going on in the heart? Paul, in writing to the Romans in that 12th chapter,
verses 3 through 8. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Of ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Each one has a ministry, a task, a function of a universal body, of a uh, a local body, of a job that needs to be done. And of our being careful about how we view each other externally without our looking at the heart and seeing as God will see each other. Being careful about using the wrong measurements of what God would have us to do. Paul, in writing to the Galatians, gives us another understanding of how we ought to be living our lives. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. A life being led by the Spirit of God. A life that is allowing itself to be changed. Paul would tell in the Roman letter in the 12th chapter, not being conformed to this world, but being ye transformed. Transformation from one way of life to another way of life. And transformation does not always take place at a rate that we sometimes may want it to be. Growth spiritually may not always take place at the rate that we would desire it to be. And sometimes there's a failure for us to remember. We are God's. We belong to Him. It is He who works in our life. And it is He who accomplishes His will within our life. Over in the Colossian letter, and in the third chapter, 
Therefore, in verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has to complain against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, this measure begins with this inner man that has been created anew by God through Christ Jesus and the blood that he shed upon the cross. And it carries over into our relationship with one another, how we treat one another, how we are to encourage one another, and the service that we render unto God. Again, this transformation takes place on the inside first. Be ye transformed, Romans 12, 1 and 2, by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. It's our constant renewal that we have because we continue to live in the flesh. We continue to walk about, about in the flesh. And we have to constantly remind ourselves that in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, that in Christ Jesus, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And as in the physical life, there's a growth process that takes place. And we find out in the, as in the physical life, it's true in the spiritual life. We as an individual and we as collectively are not the ones who set the growth pattern. It's God. God is the one who sets the growth pattern, even in the physical realm. Some grow faster physically, height-wise. Some grow faster uh, physically, mentally. And some take it a long time for them to grow. And ours is to understand that we collectively, indeed, are the body of Christ. It's he who works in us to accomplish his will and his purpose and ours is to have that trust that he is doing his will in our life. Hard for us in the spiritual realm because, again, we do not see each other, but occasionally from, week, from time to time during the week. And it's hard for us to remember God working in each life, helping each life to grow in the grace and the knowledge that he has given and that we will never fully understand or fully know what each one is doing. One may appear not to be doing much, 
But you never know what is going on outside our assemblings together of what one is doing and the good that is being done. Never know the depths of the prayers that are being offered up by individuals who may not be able to do much much other along the way. But petition God daily, often during the day, for you, for me, for the Lord's work here at downtown, for the Lord's work here throughout the United States and around the world, that those who are in his kingdom would have the strength to remain faithful in the kingdom of God and would put their trust in him to accomplish the will that he would have us to do. We each will stand before God to give an account for the life that we have lived. The reward comes from God who sees each life and blesses each life as he knows what is best. He allows us to grow. Sometimes through the trial and the tribulation, he still allows us to grow so that we can be more like the one who loved us and the one who gave his life for us. With that constant reminder of the invitation song, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only when we allow the blood to be applied to our lives, to wash away our sins as we obey obey the gospel, become a child of that living God, can we have that understanding of a hope, an anticipation, a longing and a desire that regardless of what we go through here, surely heaven is worth it all. As we look at our lives this morning, are they where they need to be? Is there a need for us to make a change within our life? One may be to become a child of the living God through the repentance of the sins that separate us from God, the confession that he is indeed the Lord and the Savior, to obey him in baptism, for the remission of sins to be raised to walk that new life. Or maybe that as a child of God, we let the world's perspective overshadow God's love for us and may need to come home to the Savior once again. If you have a need, if we could help you, if we could assist you in any way, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.